When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, I'm just gearing up, Dan. Gearing up for the holidays. We're coming up on it soon. I have to finish my Christmas list because everybody's saying, hey, I still need one more idea from you, Dad, or you know, whatever. <laughs> my parents are like, I still need some ideas for you. And I'm like, I don't know, just get me chocolate. I'm just happy with chocolate <laughs> or food, you know? I'm just, I'm so easy. Always the easy choices. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's going to be an odd Christmas season. We just went into another lockdown here. So it's a different Christmas for sure, which is uh, unfortunate. <laughs> yes, but we still have Positively Trek here. Welcome everyone to the show. I'm Bruce Gibson with Dan Gunther, and we have a special guest with us today, we have Ben Robinson, who's the co-author of Star Trek Voyager, A Celebration. Ben, how are you doing in planning the holidays? Uh, yeah, they're kind of slipping by without me really thinking about it. Um, I, same problem. My mother's saying, what do you want? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just just say chocolates. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't need any chocolate. I'm, I'm, I, what I want is to be less chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there is a particular book that I have on my Christmas list that I'm I'm looking to get, which uh, we'll definitely be talking about. I think this uh, this hour. Yes, yes, we're going to be talking about that Voyager book there, Ben. So, uh, just before we get into some brief Star Trek news, tell us a little bit about yourself. This is a difficult thing. Um, I am uh, in in charge, I guess, of all the uh, Hero Collector stuff for Eagle Moss. So. That involves a lot of Star Trek stuff. Um, we make all the die-cast ships, uh, publishing a lot of books at the moment. Just launched a massive model of the Enterprise D. Um, we've got other stuff coming next year. Um, and that's that's like one little bit of my life is the Star Trek stuff. We've got um, a couple of James Bond books coming, one of which is out. Um, we've signed a license to do The Expanse and Stargate. We make Marvel and DC figurines. Uh, we do big build-up models of uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future and of the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters. Um, we make Alien Child. This is going to go on a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can see I'm quite busy. I look after all that kind of stuff. Okay. That's what I do. Now, I'm glad you mentioned all this because I'm going to take that recording and send it to my mom and say, any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything. just go to the Hero Collector shop. Just go to shop.eaglemoss.com. Oh my God, this is like an advert. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we've got quite a lot of stuff that might might make people's Christmases better. I hope so. Yes, I think so too. You know, I, this is really great because I never even put the two and two together. I put in our notes for the news about this two foot long Enterprise D, not realizing mm. that you're connected to this. 
Oh, very connected to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Ultimately responsible. Um, yeah, that's been that's taken us. Oh God, I think we've been working on that for about four years before it finally, you know, to so to finally get out is is quite a big deal. Dan, didn't we talk about uh, just on a recent episode that we were wishing for an Enterprise D sometime soon? I feel like we were discussing something yeah. where there was no Enterprise D. Yeah, I think we were talking about the uh, the Polar Lights one one thousand scale ship line, which oh, which would right. be absolutely massive. But this one is pretty darn big as well. And I was wondering when you put this in the notes, I was kind of in the back of my mind: does 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 Bruce know that Ben Robinson is? involved so that's exciting I'm, I'm really glad that we get to talk about that as well <laughs> i don't know but just to know that ben's in charge i just hope he fills my stockings with something you know <laughs> <laughs> you had to have very big feet to get this enterprise in it i tell you <laughs> yeah this thing's incredible uh i mean first of all to hear something is two f- feet long is 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 big but then two feet three inches oh wow so, yeah. tell us how this works because this looks very involved and you mail out piece by or pieces by pieces, little sections every month. And it can take up to 30 months to build this. Yeah. So what you're building is something that is the the sort of closest comparison, I guess, would be like the Anobos or the QMX models. So this is a, you know, this is a really big model. Um, It's mostly made of metal. Um, which is, you know, unusual, makes it very heavy. Um, and you, you get it in bits that you put together yourself. But it's actually very easy, um, a little time-consuming. But if you do it, you know, once a month, it takes about an hour a month, something like that, a bit less at the beginning. Um, and you put all the pieces together and, um, it, you know, it basically you either screw them in or slot them in. Uh, it's all kind of push fit, that kind of thing. And are the lights the same? You just uh, you just thread the lights into the right place and all of that. Um, yeah, and it's pretty, I mean, you still, I guess you've seen the pictures. It's a pretty impressive thing when it's finished. Um, and it, it is quite doable. It just, uh, you know, it's just rather than asking someone the way that QMX would have done for like $10,000 in one hit, we kind of figured that was pretty difficult for people to find. I certainly never had $10,000 to spend on any one thing on myself. Uh, whereas we figure, you know, for the same kind of money that people spend on coffee a month, I guess, um, you know, you can, you can end up with the, with this. Yeah. It's incredibly impressive. I, I love the shots of the, uh, I guess there's a couple of different prototypes used in the, in the, in the shots here and, and after all is said and done, it, it will uh, light up. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, beautiful. It, 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 it's full of lights. Um, and yeah, you actually put the windows in yourself so you can choose, uh, which windows, uh, which rooms have got people in and which ones haven't, I guess. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at this in, uh, trekmovie.com. Uh, they covered it and they got a lot of the shots in here and they say about Dan Curry, who was the, uh, VFX producer for next gen deep space nine enterprise Voyager saying that such good quality that they could have used it on some shots on the next generation that's that detailed and looks that good. Yeah. I, I, Dan's a good friend of mine. So I, I've just actually just published a book with Dan as well, which, which is all about Dan. Um, and I was showing it to him just as a, like we were having a personal call and he was, like, Oh wow, that's really great. We could definitely have used that on the show. You know? Yeah. The, uh, the artistry of Dan Curry, right. That was the, yeah. that was the book. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten a look at that one myself, but it's again on my list. I don't know if, 
anybody will get that for me but <laughs> yeah, yeah so there's a lot of there are lots of star trek books out at the moment actually i mean a lot of very good star trek books obviously we published a fair number of them and i've written one of the ones we haven't published but uh yeah it's it's a good time for star trek publishing i think well and also with, with this model kit as each piece arrives every month it comes with a guide so you're kind of getting a little book with it with some interviews and some insight yeah you get the, i mean one of the things i've I've always felt Star Trek has lacked is like really in-depth episode by episode companion. So, I mean, Larry obviously published the next generation companion years ago, but it's not got anything like the kind of level of detail that I think people would enjoy. So as well as instructions, you will get this kind of in-depth episode by episode guide to next gen as well, which, you know, I hope uh, will guide people on the odd rewatch. I think that's a big thing now, obviously, because everyone can, everyone can um, stream, stream stuff so rewatches are are, are the thing i think (laughs) yeah i think back in the day i i used the and we've talked to phil ferrand years ago but i used the star trek nitpickers guides as Mm -hmm. episode guides because those were a little bit more detailed than some other stuff so yeah it's good to get other resources for sure yeah well we've been to i mean over the years i've talked to pretty much everybody who was ever involved in next gen um, and then actually, well, I say pretty much everybody, I'm filling in a few gaps this weekend, actually. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to go back over that material and to put it all together and to, to realize who we had never talked to and to, to catch up with them. Uh, it's interesting the first season, obviously, sadly, I've got a lot of the people who were involved in the first season of Next Gen and Dad, but I did talk to a lot of them before, uh, before they passed. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a good thing to put together. It's interesting what, doesn't exist as well i think when you you stop to think you sort of think oh well actually there isn't that you know which which going back to the voyager book it's interesting that you know there's never been um a really good voyager book i don't think i mean there's the it's not quite fair there's the um, you know the the creating the future the 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 book that came out meant to come out when the series came out actually comes out around about season three or four i think so it's got a lot of stuff about seven in it but yeah, it's nice to to be able to to go back and and fill in some of the gaps. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the Strange New Worlds book when that series comes out because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's part of our news. So I just want to touch on two quick news items because I want to get into what you were just talking about the Voyager book and some of the other things you guys are doing. But it looks like uh, production, at least pre-production, has started on the Strange New Worlds in Toronto. Uh, there's a sign out that says cast and crew testing area, and this was tweeted out by nationtrek.com or at nationtrek on Twitter. That's N-A-C-I-O-N Trek. And uh, I remember seeing this for Discovery Season 3, 4, 3, 4, 4, Season 4 <laughs> a few months ago. I can't even keep track anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited about Strange New Worlds, Ben. What do you think? Yeah, I'm excited for Strange New Worlds. I mean, I I know I'm, I'm very wary about what I can and can't say about it because I know a little bit about it. Um, I know a few guys who are working on it. It sounds very much as if it's going to be pure Star Trek. I think, you know, when they came back with Discovery and with the whole streaming thing, it was kind of inevitable that there was going to be um, a big storyline, you know, it was going to be a season with a story. Um, and then I think with Picard, it, you know, Patrick was very insistent that Picard was not Next Generation Season 8. 
you know, he wanted it to be different, it was going to different directions, I think, very successfully. But to get a show that is just like, yeah, this is just Star Trek. You know, this is, there's like a yeah, different planet, eight every week, you know, some kind of uh, moral dilemma or neat science fiction idea at the heart of every episode. I, I you know, that's the kind of Star Trek that I, I will certainly be very pleased to see on air again. And probably a whole bunch of really cool new ships too that uh, you're not allowed to talk I about. I can only hope there will be a whole bunch <laughs> of cool new ships. I, I will find out a little bit before everybody else, but not that much before. Um, it, it, they, it, what happens at this stage is that you, they might intend something and then as the scripts develop or as the effects develop, that, that, that might not quite be how it works out. So they're very wary um i you know i i have a, a list of ships that didn't appear in um in discovery for example um or uh, in picard for that matter actually as well hmm. so at this point there's lots of stuff that might happen um and then equally there are things that get added at the last minute as well hmm. so that'd be interesting to see like a list of or a collection of as well not not necessarily models because but but you know, maybe a book with some descriptions or something for all the uber nerds who really like all the background stuff. Well, if you, yeah, we do the, one of the series of books, we do the designing Starships books, um, which, which go through like the whole design process. And quite often you'll find that something um, turned out very differently to the way it was originally envisaged, or there are sequences that get dropped. So um, at the end of uh, Star Trek Beyond, when the new Enterprise is being built, there were meant to be like a bunch of ships flying around it. Um, or they were meant to, it's too strong a word, but they were planning it at one point. And then they dropped it. So in the book, we have designs for four or five ships that never got made. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that stuff over the years. I mean, you know, we've made models of, of some of them, of the concept ships. So we did... Um, Rick Sternbach's Voyager concept, which, you know, was he got as far as building a study model of. And and then the producer was like, ah, can you make it a bit curvier? Um, there's that. We're just doing Jim Martin's, um, one of Jim Martin's defiant concepts. That will be out in the middle of next year. Oh, that's so, cool. So, yeah, I love all that kind of road not taken stuff. Absolutely. Well, another news item, and this is the last news item before we get into everything else, but uh, Chuck Yeager passed away on December 7th. And uh, in 1947, he was the first pilot to exceed the speed of sound. You know, this was important for me to put in here, not just because of his contributions, but also that he does appear in the opening title sequence to Star Trek Enterprise. He's the gentleman you see walking towards camera from his plane, the Bell X-1. And, you know, as I think about the fact that he has this plane in the shot that's in the beginning of Enterprise and we some, see other vessels. Have you guys even considered making models of those? Yeah, we have. We talk about it every now and again. We talk, actually, to be fair, we haven't really looked at space planes, though that makes a lot of sense. We talked about things like the Enterprise Space Shuttle um, and the you know International Space Station, those kinds of things. Um it's a little bit complicated because there's some kind of uh, additional licensing to be done with NASA. You had to get that permission. You had to give them a bit of money and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's definitely on the list. It's one of those things we kind of, you know, it's, it's never quite made it above the middle of the list, if you know what I mean. Um, they keep coming up with new Star Trek shows, so they always get to the front of the list. Um, or like the Orville um, jumped ahead of, of NASA somehow. 
<laughs> um, yeah. And, and another thing, of course, is uh, Chuck Yeager's been honored in other ways by Star Trek over the years. There's been a few ships named after uh, Chuck Yeager, uh, one of which is this kind of weird uh, Deep Space Nine deep background one that has actually become one of my absolute favorite ships. So, uh, and, have the- <laughs> and the Frankenstein ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, I, I love that we get models of those kind of really strange out there stuff, like not even just the concept ones, which are kind of really out there, but even the ones that you see for a few moments in the background and that kind of thing. And the, and the Jaeger being one of them for sure. Yeah. And then there's the Jaeger class as well. Um, the Baran, uh, local ship, uh, mm-hmm. is, is Jaeger class. Oh, that's right. So yeah, I mean, no, in fact, I mean, all those discovery ships, John Eves is a, a massive, um, space plane, um, X-plane uh, buff. He loves all that stuff. And he's uh, he'd actually met, I think, most of the X-plane pilots um, and has been sending them. In fact, little models, uh, our models of the ships and going, this ship was named after you, buddy. Uh, so <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> there's definitely a connection there. Well, you know, I saw a new Voyager in Discovery, a future version of Voyager. Yeah. Maybe we'll see a model of that sometime. I think that's extremely likely. Yes, the Voyager J. Yes, that would be great. Very cool. I, I I have questions about detached nacelles, but I'm sure you you're probably mm. tired of hearing. I'm that. not sure I have answers yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. Let's put it that way. Um, we've got some. I mean, I think you know everybody can imagine we're going to have to do it with some kind of transparent uh, material between the between the main body and the the detached part. So, but we're waiting to actually see how well that works. But yeah. That's that's the plan. But yeah, it's a little bit of cruel. It's a bit cruel for us. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that uh, was, I have to say that was my first thought, my very first thought when they came up with that. And I was like, oh, how are they going to do that? <laughs> well, Dan, maybe you can come up with the idea and let them know, you know, you can. <laughs> I think they've got a much better handle, handle on it than I would. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to get into the Voyager book that uh, you put together, Star Trek Voyager, A Celebration. And uh, you co-authored this with Mark Wright. And I was wondering if you could tell us what makes this book a celebration of Voyager? Oh, no, that, that's a good question. No one's really asked that. Um, my standard line on this book is that it was meant to be like a really great convention in book form. That was really the kind of concept for the book. So it was to take all the, the things that you enjoy about it. So if you imagine you went to a convention, you know, this, this perfect convention would have every actor, but it would also have representatives of every department telling you, you know, the stories about how they did what they did and showing you what they did. Um, and I think, you know, everybody who works on Voyager loved working on Voyager. Um, you know, they, the, the fact they all had a ball really comes through. Um, and that I hope comes, comes out in the book as well. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, people talk, there are a few sorts of, um, stressful moments in the making of Voyager, I guess. Um, how many times I can guess something will be an interesting thing. You can do that as a drinking game. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I didn't want to get bogged down in the kind of how difficult Kate found it when Jerry came on or anything like that. I just wanted to say, look, this is a really great show. These are really uh, great people, actually. Um, 
and this is what we all enjoyed about it. Well, to that point, because, yeah, I know you didn't really touch on that relationship between the two when there were some stressful moments. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard some of those stories, but those are just a few stories out of hundreds of hours of putting a show together over, over multiple years. But what I liked about this book is it, I got a sense of what the set felt like probably the majority of the time that it was a hardworking set, but with a lot of fun. Because if you're there for many hours a day, that you just have to release and, and pull pranks and, and do that and, and just kind of get the stress off and, and, and fill that time of waiting for them to set up the camera and such. Yeah, the Voyager cast set needed that more than the other cast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think all of the cast, there's, you know, Next Gen, they famously, Jonathan liked to sing. They would sing and dance quite a lot. Um, but the Voyager cast, you know, you've got some quite big personalities there and you've got some very, very funny people there. And I think they, they like to goof off quite a lot. Um, but I think they also, you know, like you said, they worked hard. They're very professional. They click right back into it when the camera's turned on. Well, I like how it also mentions how there's times Kate just has to, she's trying to get ready to play a serious role here and she's trying to fight back, not laughing and have just almost seriously turn everybody, come on guys, let's stop this. Even though she wants to just bust out laughing. <laughs> yeah, she she says her lungs that she should have been canonized. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean that 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 side of it is is obviously a big part of it, um, and they're very they're very open about it and very funny about it. Um, I mean, Roxanne said that they were like you know naughty children, and she felt now that she's become a professional full time director. Uh, she feels terrible about <laughs> how they behave. <laughs> She's like, Robbie was the same. He was like, oh, the directors must just have been like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> but uh, but I think, you know, actually, they did all snap back into it pretty quickly. Um, you know, as Garrett says, part of the thing with it is that um, there's a lot of time when you are just running through stuff or rehearsing. It's not like you're fluffing a take or anything like that. Someone's just like, you know, wants to check the lighting um, or rehearse the camera move and you have, they have to have somebody there to do it. So while they're doing it, Garrett's doing impressions. So the, the genesis of this project, how did, uh, how did this come about? How did you decide to uh, move forward with this idea? There are a couple of different genesis, I guess it is for the plural. Um, So one of the things was that I had always wanted to do a really classic Star Trek book. How, how uh, arrogant does that sound? Um, I wanted to, I mean, I, I read all the Star Trek books, you know, obviously as I was growing up. So like the making of Star Trek is, is like a, a really classic book about making TV and all of that. Um, so I'd always wanted to do a book a bit like that. Um, Voyager in particular has not had a big retrospective uh, book. Um, and, uh, you know, even when the other series have had, it's only really next gen that's had one. I never sort of thought that was the way that I would have approached it. I would never sort of deal with something season by season, unless you do it in real depth. If you want to do it sort of like the Deep Space Nine, um, companion where you're going to be like, right, here is everything you want to know about this episode. Here is, you know, and I talk to everyone and here is everything. So I, I, I never sort of think of it in quite those chronological terms. So I, I wanted something that looked at the characters and how they changed and talked to more than one person 
you know, a lot of times when you get a book, it's like, okay, here is an interview with Bob Picardo or whatever about the doctor. But actually I wanted to be like, okay, but that's only part of the story. Bob's, Bob's a big part of the story, obviously a huge part of it. But what did Brandon have to say? What did Jerry have to say? What did Ken Bella have to say? Um, you know, um, what did the directors think? Um, so I wanted to bring all of that together. Um, and then obviously it was the anniversary year, is the anniversary year this year, which kind of gave us the impetus to try and make this book happen. Well, you're kind of a scholar on of Star Trek because you produce so much Star product. Trek historian is how I think of myself, yeah. <laughs> yes. In your interviews for this book, was there anything that you were told that you were shocked and surprised with? Um, shocked? No. I don't think anyone said anything shocking. I think uh, people say things that are very interesting. Actually, no, there was one thing that I found slightly shocking is Roxanne was talking about how much self-loathing Blana has for herself and how difficult she found it to deal with her own divided heritage. And she said that that was something that she could absolutely identify with. And I was taken aback by that because, you know, Roxanne's beautiful and talented and successful and all the things you could want to be and sort of hear that she hadn't always been comfortable with what it meant to be um, a Latin person in America, I found a bit unsettling, I guess. I mean, you know, shocking is probably too strong a word, but but I, I did find that kind of like, oh, okay, wow. Okay, that I can see it makes sense, but I'm very sorry to hear that you would, you know, because if, if someone is, is, as blessed as she is would feel that way, uh, it says quite a lot of worrying things about the rest of the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, for, for shock, that was the kind of closest I came to shock. In terms of surprising, what was great about it was that thing I was saying before about talking to different people about the same thing. So you're talking to, you're in a position where you say you talk to Robbie McNeil about Tom Paris and about how difficult it was to, to find the right tone for Tom. Um, cause I mean, I actually used to know, I miss, miss him quite a lot, Michael Piller and Michael very much wanted uh, Tom Paris to be a kind of, um, Doug Ross character, you know, in a kind of lovable rogue bad boy, but someone who you invested in, uh, and found very charming. And Robbie was sort of saying, well, I wish someone had told me that, um, you know, that there, there wasn't really the forum in the way they were making Star Trek for the for the writers and producers to talk to the actors about it. Um, and then you were able to talk to Brown and or to Ken or to Jerry uh, Jerry Taylor about you know how they saw the character and how the character changed. And then what happens is you get this much more kind of three dimensional picture when you're able to talk to everybody because nobody uh, nobody owns the whole story. You know, everybody has their bit of it. And, and interestingly, they don't necessarily know what the other person felt. So uh, to give you an example, going the other way around, I was talking to Brandon about um, Q's appearances. And I said to him, oh, you know, John Delancey and, and Kate have always said, you know, they just thought they should have been allowed to go for the romance part of it. And he sort of went, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we should have done that. That would have been, that could have been cool. You know, so you know that he, although obviously they've said that at cons and stuff like that quite a lot over the years, he'd never heard it and certainly hadn't thought about it at the time. Wow. <laughs> the, the road's not taken. That's interesting. I wonder what that would have looked like. That's really cool. Yeah, I wanted to actually, I, I did want to, and I just, just ran out of time and it was a little too complicated to organize. I wanted to open the book with a, a picture of the Sternback concept of Voyager. And then it's like, um, it's Jean-Vierre Bujold is the captain. And um, I, you know, I wanted to do this whole kind of like parallel universe version of Voyager where it was all completely different. And then sort of go, it could have been that, that could have happened. Came very close. Yeah, you, when you're talking to these different people and you're doing setting up the interviews, I know that you mentioned in the book that you couldn't get an interview with um, Jennifer Lynn, who played Cass. Yeah. So uh, she's retired from the business, and that's part of the reason. Yes. I mean, she. we did try to track her down. Um, she's, I think, quite troubled. I think... Um, you know, it's, I mean, it, we cover it in the book and something that people have never, no official publication has ever sort of recognized that she had, she had what everybody assumes were addiction issues um, that led to her being unreliable and that that's why Kess was let go. Um, and frankly, why she doesn't give interviews now um, that she's, She's not in the best of places from what I gather. I mean, I gather she's doing okay, but not everything that you would wish for her. Let's put it that way. Which, of course, then we have a section about Seven of Nine and how that character came about. And there's even a section just about the suit, the cat suit that she had to wear. Well, that suit's extraordinary. I mean, everyone just thinks you just put one on. Anyone who's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make it sound as if I've tried this. Anyone who's ever tried to cosplay that suit um, will discover that it, it's, um, you know, although mean, Jerry's a remarkable figure, there's an awful lot of uh, construction going on under the surface there. So, you know, I think it, she said it took something like 40 minutes to actually get into the suit, um, into the silver suit, which is why she actually only wears it in a handful of episodes because it was, it was such a nightmare for her to get out of it as well. Um, so, you know, she felt, this is not, you know, this is not a fair, it's like every time Jerry needed a, a, a restroom break, they had to announce it to the entire crew and everyone had to down tools for 45 minutes. <laughs> right. She said that was not fun. <laughs> no, because just imagine yeah, no you're in that suit and you're in the middle of a scene and, and oh, we got to reshoot and you're just like, I've really got to go. But you're like, I got to hold it because yeah. we'll start production. Well, imagine that. Imagine that every time you need a restroom break, 45 people have to stop working oh, gosh. for 45 minutes. Right. Um, you know, and so she said she actually got quite um, ill because she was like thinking, right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use the restroom while I'm wearing this suit. So she wasn't drinking enough water. She wasn't getting the fluids, you know, and then, you know, after a while she's actually, you know, she was actually suffering and they were like, oh, come on, we got to, we, and when they found out, they were like, oh, come on, the suit's not that important. We'll, we'll give you a new costume. Yeah, that's incredible. And the, these stories, I find it really, I, I, I love that we get these inside stories so many years after the fact. I feel like Star Trek is one of these things that, you know, people want to talk about years and years later, more so, I think, than a lot of other shows and properties out there. I think it's a really special thing we have here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely true with, 
Voyager, and certainly with Next Gen and with the original series, that one of the reasons for that is because it is, and certainly Deep Space Nine, it's always about something. You know, that uh, I mean, they found that harder and harder as they went on and they'd done more and more episodes. It's harder to find new, new genuinely new stories to tell. Um, you know, it's not just like a pop show where it's like, oh, okay, it was the butler. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was the maid. You know, it, 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 there's there's much more to it. So there's a, a reason to revisit it. Um, there's something to talk about. Um, and then obviously people, you know, emotionally invest in the characters as well. Yeah, I also really enjoy the format of this book. It's not your typical book of, well, here's the section all about the characters. Here's the section about season one or whatever it is. This is uh, the way it's organized. It's, you know, you might get a character study at one point, then a study about an alien, or the, and then the next chapter is about an episode or about how to direct the directors of these episodes or the cast who learn how to do directing, the visual effects department, all those sort of things are scattered throughout. Tell me how you came up with that organization in the format of the book. Well, that, that goes back to what I was saying about always wanting to, to, to do a classic Star Trek book and, and always as a, as a reader and as someone who spent a lot of time talking to a lot of different people, um, you think, but this isn't, this isn't how I would want to consume something. I don't want to start at the beginning and go to the end. And particularly on Star Trek, when, you know, on the modern shows, it normally gets good in the third season. So it's like, do I want to watch the first, do I want to get through the first two seasons to get to the really good stuff? Um, so I, I think it's, it, it is interesting to sort of split it up and to look at it from all these different aspects. And then not to, I, it's like a meal. You don't want to sort of go like, okay, I give you all of all of this together. You know, you want a little bit of this here and then move on and have a, you know, change, change your wine, have, have a different kind of, have a different kind of experience. Um, so I hope that's what we're able to do for the reader. And also to that kind of um, how much information do you give to each bit to, you know, you hope you give people enough to make it interesting, but also enough, uh, but not so much that it feels like a chore, you know. And I think it's another thing, it's a practical consideration with, with coffee table books as well, with pictures, is that it's not like a, a paperback where you, you know, you can lie in bed and read 60 pages. If it's like a big hardback book with lots of pretty pictures in, um, you, that's not really how I consume those books. And I was assume it's not how other people do either. Yeah, I love it when I'm paging through and it's, okay, there's about Janeway. And then the next one, oh, it's about something else. And and then there's also key episodes that you highlight in here. You're not highlighting and, and doing a summary of every episode of Voyager necessarily, but you're, you're picking certain key episodes. And how did you decide which episodes to choose? Um, it, it, partially to upset people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always think any list, any list, it's like, oh, you got it wrong. You should have put this in. You should have put that in. But that's a good thing. People, you know, people have different opinions about what should be there. Um, what I wanted to do was to put in episodes that explain the show a bit, that exemplify particular kind of storytelling or where, you know, the cast said that something was really interesting about it or how it changed things. So they're, they're all there for sort of different reasons. It's not like there's one reason why, why they're all there. 
I mean, there are, you know, we did do many of the best episodes, but we didn't do all of the best episodes, put it that way. Yeah, so the, 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 for, for different reasons, and I hope good reasons. I mean, so, you know, Meld is there because it's, or Tuvix, because they're such typical Michael Pillar episodes. That's what Michael wanted Star Trek to be, those episodes. Uh, Future's End is there because uh, a couple of different reasons. So, you know, for Brannon, he wanted Voyager to have these big two-parters, these big kind of, you know, what can we do that's different? We can have more scope. We can be more more cinematic. But also because Robbie said that when they were suddenly, you know, in contemporary clothes in LA, it, it subtly altered their performances. So they became a little more naturalistic and that carries on in the rest of the show. Something like um, uh, think tanks there just because, wow, it was Jason Alexander and there's actually a really funny story about Jason Alexander wanting to play the character with their hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd been great. Yeah. Mike Taylor's like going, yeah. And he's like going, he's going, I don't need hands. What would I want hands for? <laughs> well, you might want to hold a cup of coffee at some point. <laughs> he was a hand model in Seinfeld. <laughs> well, maybe that's why. Maybe he's like, I don't want to, I'm going to get as far away from Seinfeld as possible. <laughs> and I will mention to Dan, I'm sorry, but he does not highlight your favorite episode of Fury in this book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fan of that episode. But, it is mentioned, uh, it is highlighted in the Kess section, though, but it's not devoted okay. to whole chapter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of material on Fury. I talked to um, John Bruno, who directs it. Um, so we have we could probably do a small book about making of, of that episode. And if you do, would you da- dedicate it to Dan Gunther? <laughs> of course I can do that. <laughs> you know, I can I, write I, just to you. We'll send it just to you. You know, I got to say, I would actually be very interested in that because <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, I, I just, for me, it's, uh, it did a huge disservice to the character of Kess, I think, and... I, I don't know. I just, uh, I'd, I'd love to see, I would actually be really interested in, in the making of that episode. <laughs> I think um, there's, there's, as, as you just said, there's a sidebar about it in the Jennifer Ling um, article. I talked to Brian about, Brian Fuller, who wrote it, about it. And he was saying that it kind of got away from them. That that, they, that's the impression I get, yeah. Their original intention was for it to be a bigger story, for it to maybe be a two-parter, to... Um, to maybe have have left you with this kind of malevolent cast still being around as a, a kind of a guest star who could recur. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of times you talk to the writers in particular about Star Trek, there are a lot of things that were like different in their conception and in their execution. So there are things where like, you know, you you listen to the ideas for it and you go, oh, okay, that's... I can see what you were trying to do. Um, and sometimes when you watch the finished episode, you're like, yeah, you didn't succeed. Um, <laughs> but most of the writers know that themselves as well. They're like, yeah, we wanted to do this. And it just never really, you know, never really came out, never really paid off. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What departments, I guess, is the other, the other, the other big strand. Yes. So again, everybody, when you, read about a tv show most of the time you read about the actors you know and the actors are on one particular link in the chain 
um, and they interact with most of the other departments. Uh, but, you know, whether it's the hair or the music or the visual effects, obviously a massive part of Star Trek, those are all going on. And in fact, you know, in terms of the making of the show, they represent uh, over half of it, I would say. So if somebody wants to get this book and read about the production and all the things behind the scenes and the actors and the episodes and everything that's covered in this celebration, I'm assuming you can get it from most booksellers. Yeah, if you can find an open bookshop, uh, <laughs> open bookstore, you can get it there. But yeah, I mean, it's available wherever wherever books are. I mean, you can buy it from us too. So, I mean, um, I think I said at the beginning, I was flogging you uh, Christmas goods. Um, so we have our own store, which is shop.eaglemoss.com. So we have all the ships and the books and, you know, a bunch of other stuff uh, as well there. But yeah, it's, 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 I hope it's available everywhere. It's actually been selling very well. We're a little worried about it selling out in a few places. So that's uh, a nice thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's a good problem to have for sure. <laughs> yeah. What other things are you working on that's coming out soon that you can tell us about? Well, we've got a lot of other stuff out just now, actually. So um, we just did a cocktail book, which uh, has gone down. We have had it's gone down very well. Um, <laughs> it's a lockdown thing. Uh, a lot of people have been sitting at home making cocktails. That's a lot of fun. Um, and my favorite thing is we did this book. Uh, Glenn, who uh, writes for us and who's a good friend of mine, wrote this book, which is called Mr. Spock's Little Book of Mindfulness, which is... Um, the idea is how would Spock respond when confronted with the insanity of today and what could we learn from that? So it takes all these kind of uh, bits of Vulcan wisdom from over the years and tries to apply them to modern life with, um, you know, with some, I think, very charming cartoons. And we're doing that on T-shirts and mugs, actually, which we've only just got now. Those you can only buy from us. So there are, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a particular kind of approach to star trek that there hasn't been enough of and that kind of uh less obvious i think slightly left of field kind of thing i i, I like i like to see a bit more of so i've been very pleased with that yeah glenn was on a previous episode with us talking yeah. about his latest books yeah yeah i, I mean I, yeah i love glenn i think he's a, a marvelous man um so we've got that we've got a we obviously we have um an ongoing series of books. So we're doing these illustrated handbooks, which are like botanical manuals. So the Deep Space Nine one's out in January. Um, so we've already got the original series, well, the Enterprise, the original series Enterprise, as I think of it, but also, you know, as it appears in Discovery. Uh, the Next Gen one, the Voyager one, and now the Deep Space Nine one. So uh, that's coming out. Uh, ships, we've got uh, our Picard ships will start up in April. Um, we've got the great big model of the Enterprise D. That's been a big deal, obviously. Um, finally got that over the line. Still a few little bits and pieces to do on it. And we continue with the other stuff. We're still, you know, making, uh, we're going to come back with some more of the, the regular size ships uh, starting in the summer. Uh, and then outside that, there's a lot more stuff that's not Star Trek. Um, so like I said, the Orville, we've got that coming back. We've got the expanse coming out, uh, towards the end of next year, um, Stargate around about the same time. And then obviously we continue to do a lot of stuff with Marvel and DC, which, you know, we haven't been selling much of that in the States in the last few years, but that's coming back in quite a big way. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Battlestar Galactica, 
Uh, we're kind of getting to the end of our Galactica ships collection. Uh, we just put out a, a plaque, a, ded a dedication plaque from the Galactica. Yeah, so we, we're pretty busy. Um, I don't seem to have a lot of spare time. Well, I'm glad you made time to be with us. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's a Saturday afternoon. That's okay. <laughs> but it's also, it's really important to the, because if, if people don't know about our stuff, then we, they won't buy it and we won't get to make it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important for us to get out there and at least tell people about it. Obviously, you know, it's like the enterprise D I keep meaning to, I keep people saying, Oh my God, that's so expensive. And I just go, look, it's not for everybody, you know? Um, it, there are lots of people, you know, if you don't want to buy it because you think it's going to be too difficult and fine, I can explain to you that it's not, but if you don't want to buy it because you don't have the time or the money, then of course not. I mean, you know, no one's trying to force anyone to buy anything quite the contrary. They just want to make things that people want. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing everything that's coming out and I'm, I'm assuming, uh, Irish Trekkie on his YouTube channel will be showing them all off. I, I'm a fellow YouTuber of his and I'm, I'm frequently, uh, I, I'm, I'm jealous of his amazing camera work and showing off the models and stuff. I get to watch that all the time. So, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to Stargate. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but uh, I'm, I just want to know when I can get a Daedalus because I'm really excited <laughs> well, about that. will be first. The Daedalus will be the first thing. Oh, I'm probably not supposed to say that. Um, the Daedalus will be, uh, but yeah, that will be up, up pretty soon. Uh, well, I say soon. Um, it, it'll be before, I hope, before the end of 2021. I think, you know, it does take people, uh, people have to realize it takes us a long time to, to do all the research, to source the models, which we have done on this one, um, and then to get through stuff. And then it literally has to come on a slow boat from China. So, you know, that takes months. Mm -hmm. So uh, it takes a while, but it's all on the way. Excellent. Really looking forward to that. That's cool. Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, when they're shipping all this stuff in, they can swing by our houses and drop some of that <laughs> off too. <laughs> So that would be exciting. Well, thank you, Ben, for joining us. Uh, it was really interesting. Uh, you know, I was thinking about how uh, you're probably so full of so much Star Trek knowledge that I'd almost want to have you back just to pick your brain because, you know, Larry Nemechek calls himself Dr. Trek, but I think you're probably like Professor Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I could compete with Larry. Um, there's a handful of us, I guess, uh, who know more than we should. <laughs> um, I mean, I've been very fortunate in that I have worked on these things professionally for a long time. So, you know, I, I have actually been able to spend eight hours a day doing this, you know, um, and I'm, I'm very, also very fortunate that I've, I've got to know, uh, a lot of people very well. Um, and so, you know, you do get to hear a lot of the stories and you do get to understand things. I think in a, in a, in, a, in context, if that makes sense. I mean, I think, you know, I really hope that, I mean, I, I'm glad you, you've obviously read a good chunk of the Voyager book. That book, I mean, it, it's how I see things, if, if that makes sense. So it, it's, it's what I want to communicate to people because it's how I, how I felt it worked or how I learned it worked. Um, it's a bit of a glimpse inside my mind in terms of the way it's organized and that stuff. Um, and, and I think it's uh, the other thing that's extraordinary about it is how much there is that you don't know. You know, there, there is always um, 
another story or another perspective. And, and sometimes just that thing of putting two people together makes them know something that they didn't know. They'll say something that they'd like, oh, I'd never thought of that. And then they'll spin off on it and they'll, they'll say, well, actually, that's true because it relates to this or to that as well. So it's, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, I've, I've gone off on a tangent. You see, this is what happens if you start just picking my brain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, this is, yeah. This is this is only a small portion of what I know about Star Trek. I have to say that's true. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. So if if anybody wants to follow you online, are you on the social medias that people can interact with you? Um, uh, yeah, Twitter is my kind of uh, public face. Um, I think I'm BCS Robinson on Twitter. So yeah, and people can come and uh, certainly about the the big enterprise D. I know people have got a lot of questions, so people can come and ask questions. And I will do my best to answer them. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, otherwise, I I don't really do much more than that. I mean, we have a, a website. So if you want to know about what we're doing, sign up for our newsletter. So if you go to herocollector.com and sign up for the newsletter, then you'll be the first to know. We've started doing stuff like, um, actually, I, I don't know if you've got a review copy, I think you should have got it. There's like a QR code on the book as well. So if you scan the QR code, there's like extra, there's a bit of extra content that we didn't have room to physically get into the book that's something we've been doing on all the books now i mean frankly as i said a lot of it comes down to the more people we can communicate with directly the more people we can tell about our products then the more likely people are to buy them and therefore the more likely we are to be able to make them so um you know even if you don't want to buy our stuff get someone to come and follow us or to uh, sign up to our newsletter and then if they buy something when we'll make more stuff Excellent. Well, we'll have a, a link to that in the uh, show notes as well to HeroCollector.com. And, uh, that would be great. And your Twitter and stuff too. So It's all, to, uh, it's all to, to make it possible for us to make this stuff. You know, we do have to, unfortunately, we do have to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, again, thank you for joining us. And uh, that concludes this episode. So, Dan, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's k-e-r-t-r-a-t-s just star trek backwards uh, and you can find me on youtube.com slash kurtratz productions and you can find me on twitter at admiral underscore rex and occasionally on the star wars report podcast so check that out and you know feel free to follow us on pos- at positively trek on twitter and facebook we have a discussion group come join the group so search for us there so thank you everyone for joining us and until next time continue please to stay positive When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.